0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. All right, turn with me to uh, Judges chapter 6. That is Old Testament there. Judges chapter 6. In the meantime, I'm going to read you you have to turn there, but I'm going to read you something from Joel chapter 3, verse 10. It's very quick. It's the message version, which I love. It speaks it in very modern language. It says this, let the weak one throw out his chest and say, I'm tough. I'm a fighter. Look at someone next to you. Get a mean look on your face and say, I'm tough. I'm a fighter. Oh, come on, I see some girls right there. That's too pretty. Come on, look at someone. Look at them say, I'm tough. I'm a fighter. I'm tough. I'm a fighter. All right, here we go. Judges chapter 6 says this. Before, let me set it up real quick. People are stupid, okay? I know this because I am one, okay? In general, we... We'll take the longest route possible to get where God wants us to go. He's got a path. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. If we follow Jesus, that's the straightest path to success in everything we do. But we just constantly are trying to find different ways, alternate routes. Oh, how about if I, if I take a little bit of Jesus here? A little, no, that's going to mess you up. So what happens is Israel, we can learn a lot from Israel about ourselves because they make the same kind of mistakes that we do. God warned them, as a nation what to do, what not to do. Don't worship false gods, he told, told them. Don't don't start believing in things and giving time for things and allowing things to have influence over you that are fake, that are less than me. Only listen to me, but no, Israel, and here's what happens is a lot of times when we get success in, in our life, we forget why we had success to begin with. The reason we had it to begin with is God blessed us and took us to this place and we got there by honoring and loving God and respecting God. But sometimes when we get to a place of success, we start becoming very lax and we start doing things that really are very counterintuitive to who we are and what we believe when it comes to the Bible and to faith. This is what has happened to Israel. Israel starts doing evil in the sight of the Lord and what God does is what a good parent many times will do to his kid when his kid keeps choosing to make a bad choice i'm telling you son don't do that don't do that i will do it no don't do it please don't do it i will do it don't touch that son i will Uh, ah that's hot i told you not to touch it i know you're thinking that's sadistic but sometimes that is the way you have to teach is by letting people experience what it's like to go against your wisdom and God does this many times with Israel, and in Judges 6, that's what we're dealing with. Israel has got these mean people, the Midianites, that are dominating them. They're living in caves. They're living in, a, in holes. The quality of life has drastically gone down, and it says in Judges chapter 6, "...the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years He gave them into the hands of the Midianites." Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. How annoying that would be. Whenever they planted their crops. Imagine that feeling. You're going out to just do some work. It's like, alright going out to plant some corn. Oh, here they come again. I mean, you can't even get anything going. These people are completely annoying. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They're killing their animals. They're killing, they're eating their steak. It's terrible. It's very personal. The Midian, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you did not listen to me. Okay, there we go. Now God is about to deal with Israel. He's told them why they're being punished. Now he's got a plan to save him, as he does for me and you. Verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now before I read the rest of this, I want to set this up for you. What, what's happening here? Gideon is hiding. Why? Because every time they try to plant anything or do anything, they get attacked. So Gideon is in a wine press threshing wheat. He's literally hiding from people out of fear. And by the way, this dude Gideon, I'm not sure what kind of education he had, but To me, he comes across like some proper British dude that like just got out of finishing school. He's always like, excuse me, how are you today? Would you like some tea? Like he's really proper and like not a real tough kind of guy anyways. So listen, this guy's hiding, not this tough, strong warrior kind of guy that you would imagine that God wants to use him to save all of Israel. So he's hiding and God sends an angel with him to him and it said, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And what does Gideon say? Pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to me? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? and me, my Lord. Would you like a crumpet? But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. I got a message for you today, and it's called I'm tough, I'm a fighter. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say, I'm tough. I'm a fighter. Amen. Father, I pray for every person in this room who's struggling today, going through a tough time. Lord, that song that we sang, It Is Well With My Soul, sometimes in the darkest moments of our lives when we feel like everything is falling apart, I pray that those words would just ring from our spirit. It is well with my soul. Why? Why? Not because the circumstances are okay, but because you are good and you're faithful and you never abandon us. Lord, I even pray that there are some people that are in this room today that may feel like it's well with their soul, but they could be disillusioned by the fact that everything's working out for them right now. Lord, I pray that we don't forget about the fact that we need our soul to be complete in you even in the good times so that we don't get our satisfaction from favorable circumstances, but we get our satisfaction from who you want to be to our heart. Let us find our hope in you and you alone today, Jesus. I pray today that those people that are in this room that would consider themselves weak in any other situation would be tough and would be strong today and they would be a fighter today for the kingdom in the name of Jesus amen amen so let me ask you a quick question let me come down here so I could talk to you uh, what are some of your weaknesses tell me what's what's a weakness can is there anyone that can just throw one out here today what's what's a weakness of yours it's, oh carbs I got carbs right here Nutella. but what, what, Nutella? Nutella oh I love Nutella Nutella that's some honesty right I like you man that's good that's strong Nutella. What, what else? How about some other ones? Okay, that's a good one. What, what else? Huh? Carrot cake. Hey, I know where we can go hang out sometime. This place got some good carrot cake. Nona Blue has got some good carrot cake. Very good cake. Also, J. Alexander's has got some of my favorite carrot cake ever. Anyone else over here got something you want to throw out? Huh? M&M's. Oh. Wait, hold on before I give you this fist pound. Peanut or regular? Peanut. Let's go, baby. Peanut. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> peanut. Peanut. MS. Okay, that's good. I, you know, I love Oreos. I joke around about how much I eat Oreos, but I'm not really joking because it's real. Uh, I love Oreos. And I think that uh, also carbs. Who said carbs? Did you say carbs? There's, this, there, there's these new carbs. Okay, someone in the first service when I said, what's your weakness? They said, pun. <laughs> Bread. Have you guys ever heard of this stuff? They got it at 7-Eleven now, it's called pan de bono? That's not fair to white boys, because we don't know what it is. We just start popping it like that. It's like, is there cheese in this? Are you serious? It's hot, it's like bread, it's like cheese. Oh. Man, I'm getting off track here, y'all. It's tough stuff to deal with. It's interesting though, when I ask this question, what's, what are some of your weaknesses? And we kind of, you know, Oreos, you know, carbs. Notice how no one said, like, heroin. (laughs) Fits of rage. (laughs) Throwing dishes at my spouse. Pride. Jealousy. Uh Lying. Well, I mean, we're going there now, I get you. And yes, I know what you mean, I agree. I think that once we start thinking about what weaknesses actually are, it shows us as we're just, you know, because we're all hanging out, we're having a good time. There's a great spirit here today, great atmosphere. I think when you say, what are some of your weaknesses? We want to connect with each other. So we're having a good time to talk about food, all these different things. But the truth of the matter is we have weaknesses that are real weaknesses. They're much bigger than peanut M&M's. Okay, they're, they're weaknesses that have the ability to destroy us, to ruin us. That, that's what I want to key in on today because in our story, we talked about a guy named Gideon who God comes to Gideon and he says, I'm going to use you to set all of Israel free from these terrible, oppressive people, the Midianites that are keeping you down. They're, they're, they're killing you. They're killing your, your, uh, your animals. They're, you're having to live in a hole. And I've come and I've chosen you. And this guy is hiding. Okay, when, when he, and he goes, but really, are you serious? He goes, I, I'm, I'm like from the, the smallest family and I'm the weakest one in my whole family. I'm from the weakest family and I'm the weakest one in my family. So God finds the lowest of the low to use for his glory. Okay, so I don't know what you think about your life and what you've been through, but I will tell you that we typically view our weaknesses, and I'm not talking about peanut M&Ms here. I'm talking about our weaknesses. I'm talking about things that are flaws, things that we really, really struggle with, things that, things that, have, a, things that have a propensity to bring us down, things that have a propensity to bring us down in life, to tear our world inside out. We marginalize those things sometimes and and we completely forget about them or we're so guilty over them that we don't want God to be able to use us at all. We feel disqualified. But I want to change the way you think about your weaknesses today by pointing out 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Paul says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Come on, look at someone next to you. Say, God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Come on, City of Life, South Orlando. Look at somebody next to you. Give them a fist pound. Say, peanut M&Ms, first of all, because that's what we said here. And then say, God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Perfect in your weakness. Now, think about what that means. He says, therefore, I will boast, boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. We try to hide our weaknesses. We, we lie about our weaknesses. We, we minimalize them. We don't even talk to God about them. We try to let it, make him forget about the things that we struggle with. Because we want to feel like we've moved on. And we want to feel like these things are not a problem anymore. And, and, and I, I would just encourage you today. My power is made perfect in weakness. You can't have power unless you have weakness. You can't have God's power in your life unless you have weakness. He says, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Come on, say that with me. For when I am weak, One more time. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, my gosh. Is that sinking in a little bit today? When I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, just really quick. Vulnerability to people is attractive. Okay, in general, vulnerability to people is attractive. For those people that come out of an era, my grandfather... Uh, and, and my grandmother loved God very much, but there was almost zero vulnerability in that generation in the church. People were made to feel as if Christians had to be perfect. They could never make a mistake. They could never do anything wrong. So what happened is it created a deceitful culture of people that never were honest about their mistakes. How many people have ever heard other people complain about they don't like church because they don't like hypocrites? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. Well, I mean, there's some validity to that. Here's where the validity is, is for years and years, people in the church acted like, as a Christian, you don't make mistakes. So if you tell someone you make no mistakes, but then you go out and you're making mistakes all the time, and everyone knows you make mistakes, you appear to be a hypocrite. See, that is a problem. That kind of lack of vulnerability is what causes people to get turned off to Jesus and and Christianity and faith in general, rather than meeting the kind of people like Paul who say, look, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the lowest of the low. I tried to kill Christians. I was a terrible person. My life was whack. It was upside down until Jesus literally knocked me off of my horse. Raise your hand if you've got a testimony in here today of what you used to be before you came to Jesus and who you are now that you have known the power and grace and the love of Jesus. Come on, let's give them a praise today. Come on, your testimony can change somebody's life. Your vulnerability can change somebody's life. Did you know that when when we had kids, you know, my daughter Mia is 17 years old And when we had our kids, Amy and I had a lot of philosophical conversations before we had kids on how we were gonna parent, on the way we were gonna treat them, on the accountability that we wanted to have. And it was a really tough decision because we made the decision that as we were moving forward with our kids, if we did something wrong and handled something inappropriately, we would say to our kids that we made the mistake. I can't tell you the countless times that, I mean, and and Mia, Mia's incredibly smart, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, and she was really smart when she was a little kid, too. I never forget, she was about four years old, and one time I said, darling, I said, Daddy got too mad, and I'm sorry, I raised my voice, and I got upset over something that you did, and I made it a mistake of mine, and I should not have done that, I should not have talked to you like that. I allowed myself to get too angry, and I won't do it again. She goes, I forgive you, Daddy. She's like, I made a mistake too, and I forgive you. I, I was like, wow. I was like, That's a, what, what an odd feeling to have your four-year-old forgive you for something. But do you know what? That was the beginning of a journey of accountability and vulnerability with my kids. It's never stopped to this day. I make mistakes constantly when parenting, but it is, it is Amy does too, both of us, but it, it is a goal of ours that our accountability and vulnerability with our kids in admitting our mistakes is gonna build something powerful and beautiful between us and our kids and they're going to love us and appreciate us rather than viewing us as weak woo, i'm about to get fired up rather than viewing us as weak they've always viewed our vulnerability as a sign of strength see and i would i would say to you that your refusal to share your weakness is a weakness okay if you want to be strong Learn how to share your weakness. Learn how to share your vulnerability. Learn how to make yourself vulnerable with people and learn how to share the areas that you struggle with and admit that God is helping you in these areas, just like Paul says. He says, because when I'm weak, when I'm insulted, when I go through hardships, when I go through persecutions, when I go through difficulties, that's when I'm strong. God is not looking for the strong. He's looking for weak people through whom he can be strong. God's looking for some Gideons. And Gideon not only acted weak in the wine press, uh, you know, excuse me, sir, pardon me, what did I hear you say? You know, not exactly Conan the Barbarian there. He sounds like this cultured, really polite guy. And then later on, the angel says, look, I'm going to wipe out this entire thing. I'm going to use you to do it. And he's like, sir, excuse me, I don't mean to impose, but I'm a little nervous about this whole proposition here. Uh, possibly in the morning, I've got this fleece. If, is it possible that if I threw it out in the front yard, uh, you could do a miracle and make the fleece completely full of, of moisture, but let the ground be dry? And the angel's going, the ground be dry? This is Florida. It is humidity. What are you talking about? The ground dry. He goes, please, just this one time to make sure this is really God. And he goes, all right, throw it out there, fine. So he throws it out there the next morning, fleece soaking wet, ground totally dry. He goes, wow, that's amazing, angel. You're you're a great angel. I've got a second request for you. The angel's like, what do you think? I am Aladdin over here. This is not. He's like, no, just one more, please. This time, could you, in the morning when I throw it out, could you make the fleece completely dry and the ground full of humidity? And I mean, he's like, okay, so this guy is not some tough guy full of faith. He's full of questions. He's flawed at every turn, but God still answers his questions. God still sends 22,000 Israelites his way that he becomes the leader of. God goes, that's too many. And Gideon's like, oh, you sure about that? He's like, yeah, that's too many. He's like, please, can we keep it? He's like, no, just let me split them up. He starts splitting them up. Finally, he ends up with 300. 300. God splits it up. Why? Because God wants to show Gideon, this ain't about you, homie. This is about me. I've got a plan, and I'm going to make my power be shown through your weakness. If, if you roll up with 22,000 soldiers, everyone's going to say, Israel's got the best soldiers in the land. But when you roll up with 300 and you kill tens of thousands with 300, they're going to say they ain't a human being on earth that could do what they did. That must be God. And that's exactly what your friends are going to say about you when you get to the place in your life where you allow your weaknesses to become a place where God's strength can be manifest and shown. Somebody say, God can use my weaknesses. I love what the angel said to Gideon in the wine press. He said, I, I ain't got nothing. I'm the, I'm the weakest in the weakest family. And the angel said, go on the strength that you have. I said, go on the strength that you have. You say, but I don't have a lot of strength. You don't need a lot. Go on what you got. Yeah. You take what you got. The Bible doesn't tell us to have mustard tree faith. The Bible tells us to have mustard seed faith. The mustard tree is one of the biggest trees. It provides almost more shade than any other tree. It's magnificent and beautiful. And that seed is so tiny. God does not require you to have mustard tree faith. If you're here today and you're down to your last bit of hope in your life and everything has fallen apart and you say, I barely got enough to go on, that's all you need today that is all you need that is what the angel said to gideon he said go in the strength that you have i don't know what you got in this section i don't know what you're left with right now but whatever you're left with if it's faith it's enough today god can use whatever faith you do have it's like that story where the prophet of god went to that woman who had run out of everything her husband died and he said what do you have she said a little oil That's it. She was out of everything. She was out of ingredients. She was out of everything. All she had was a little bit of oil. He said, then go borrow as many vessels as you can. Can you imagine that? Go borrow as many. She don't even know what's about to happen. She starts going to her neighbor. Excuse me. Hey, Becky, how you doing? Uh, sorry, watching all my children. Okay, uh, that's good. I just wonder, could, could I borrow uh, 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 like a vessel? Like I borrow like a, like, like, a, like a container of some sort? Oh, yeah, hold on. Let me be right back. And she's, and she's telling her son, Tommy, uh, go next door. Get as many vessels as you possibly can. Empty containers. Bring them back here because the prophet says something's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. They bring all the containers back. She's sitting there and she's got the little bit of oil. And he says, take that oil you have and pour it into the empty vessels. Can you imagine that little bit of oil, how stupid she must feel, pouring that oil, tiny little bit of oil, and she pours it, and she goes, oh my Lord, Tommy, come here, bring the vessels, quick! I mean, it's, filling, the, there, it's just filling up like that. She's like, bring it, and she switches it, and she, she got another one, she's pouring it, and pouring You know what happens? She eventually runs out of vessels. This oil, this oil is valuable. It's, it's money. And you know, you know when she stops pouring, when she runs out of room? So when you run out of room for God to use, see God will multiply the little that you have if you provide the room, you provide the space, you provide the vessel, God will keep pouring and keep pouring until the space that you have provided is gone. Man, if you're here today and your heart is broken, but you still got a little something, I know you got something, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a little bit of faith. That's all you need today. Look at someone next to you and say, go in the strength you have. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm tough. Say, I'm a fighter. Come on, you you may feel weak. You may feel weak. You may be hiding out today in that wine press, threshing wheat. But you know, you're tough. You're a fighter. Why? You got the power of God in your life. And you know what? God can use your weaknesses to change someone else's life. I want to read you this story. I love this story. He will use your flaws. He'll use your brokenness. He'll use your weirdness. You trying to act like there's nobody weird in here? Okay, whatever. He'll use your quirkiness. He'll use your, like I said, your brokenness. And, and just that kind of brokenness that you have is the very thing that is, is the one thing that can reach a certain type of person. You have things in your life that you can do, the kinds of things you can say in your story that will reach people that would never, ever listen to me. Ever. In a million years. They don't care what I have to say. They're not interested, but there's something that happened to you. There's some part of your story that if you share it with someone, that'll change their whole life and turn their heart toward the Lord. Now, they might listen to me later because that might open up their heart. And they might open, you know, it might change their whole perspective on faith. Now they've got all kinds of voices that God could use to bless them. But to reach them to begin with, only your story can reach them. Listen to this story. I'm going to read it because I like the way it's written. It's a fable. It says, a water bearer had two large water pots, which he carried on either side of a pole slung across his shoulders. One of the pots had a crack in it. So every day as he carried water to his master's house, he arrived with one full pot and one only half full. This went on for two years. One pot was very proud of its accomplishments, while the imperfect pot was embarrassed at its failure. Its distress at being only able to accomplish half of what it had been made to do resulted in its speaking one day to the water carrier. I'm so ashamed, the pot said. Why, asked the carrier, because water leaks out all the way to your master's house, and because of the crack that I have, I've only been able to deliver half of the load. The water carrier looked kindly at the crackpot and said, As we return to my master's house today, I want you to look at the beautiful flowers along the path. The pot was a little cheered by the beauty he saw along the way. Did you notice that the flowers were only on your side of the path? I've always known about your flaw and I took advantage of it. I planted seeds on your side of the track and as we walked back each day from the stream, you watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick fresh, beautiful flowers from my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, this beauty would never have graced his house. (laughs) To me, it tells a powerful story. Of the way God uses our brokenness to touch someone else's life if you think that the reason many people are gonna to turn to the Lord is because you've got everything worked out every put together everything put together all the answers I really don't think that's the way it works most of the time even if you are strong and you minister from a place of strength and you live from a place of victory and success typically what will draw someone to that is the humility of Christ that's in the middle of all that. It's the brokenness in the middle of all the strength that causes people to be attracted to God. This week, I was uh, doing business and I met a young man that was really sharp. I enjoyed this whole interaction with this guy. He's a really sharp guy, on the other side of town, up in Orlando. And um, as I was talking to him, he started telling me a story of how he got hurt in church. And he got hurt with Christians. And he went down his story and, and made several points about uh, things that bothered him and asked me a few. He knew, I, he actually, somehow he knew who I was. He, he had recognized me from something. Someone had told him that a pastor comes in there. And uh, so, anyways, he, he kind of thought, I, he, he was t- taking the perspective of, you're the pastor of that big church and blah, blah, blah. So, anyways, I listened to his story. He asked me a couple th- questions theologically. I, I responded. And after it was all over with, I just felt in my heart to say this. I said, hey man, let me tell you something real quick. I said, everything you just said, that's fine. And I understand. I said, but if you ever make Christianity about anything more than the fact that Jesus loves you just like you are, that he died for you just like you are, that you have value and worth to him just like you are, You don't have to, you can't fix anything to make him love you more. I said, if you ever make it about more than that, you've missed it. I said, now for me, I'm 47 years old. Until my early thirties, from the time I was 13 until my thirties, I had a pornography addiction. I was 13, staying at my friend's house and he brought out a box of magazines. I'm just, I didn't know nothing. I grew up in the church. I'd never seen a rated R movie before. And I didn't know how to tell my parents when I went home. I loved Jesus. I lifted my hands and worshiped in church every day, tears streamed down my face, but something got a grip on me at the age of 13 that I wasn't able to fix. I did not know how to get victory in my life. I was preaching. I was leading soul winning campaigns and my walk with God and my confidence with God would slam up against the ground and I would want to quit and walk away from ministry completely because I felt so ashamed of my life. I would go through seasons of victory and then crash back down again. I told this kid, I said, when I was in my early 30s, I went to a weekend conference where they were talking about the love of God and how much God loved me. And I struggled with believing that God loved me through all of those ups and downs. I said, dude, and God said something to me that I will never forget. He said, Jeffrey, I loved you before this was a problem. I loved you when it was a problem. And I'm going to love you when it's not a problem any longer for you because I have loved you. I said, and dude, I said, I got victory in my life at that time, I said, and I have walked away from that. I said, that the chains of that are no longer on me. I struggle like anyone else. You know, I fight for victory all the time, but I fight from a place of victory. No longer does that, does that have a hold on my life anymore. I said, so what I want to tell you is that whatever you have experienced about faith, if it's anything other than grace and the love of God, then you're focusing on the wrong things because Jesus really loves you. And he just kind of nodded and said, he goes, he goes, wow, man, thank you. I said, I got I to go. I said, I got to run into a meeting. And I walked out. He goes, hey, sir. And I said, yeah. And I, lo- I look back at him and he goes, I don't go to church. He said, but if I did, it would be yours. <clears throat> to me. What that said, first of all, I pray in Jesus' name He does come to this church someday. Okay, but but what it does say to me is it says that that message, that message right there that I share with him, the willingness. And, and by the way, I mean, I've got my daughter sitting on the front row. Do you think that it's easy to talk about the things? Did you know that I've said that before in services and shook hands at the back door and had people look at me right in the eye and say, I'll never, you're, you're, I would never listen to a pastor that has ever been through that. And that's fine. Everyone's got their own choice on what to do. But to me, my thought is when I read Paul say, my weaknesses are my strength. When I hear Paul say my weaknesses are an opportunity for Christ to shine strong in me, I take it to heart. And I believe there are people out there that are broken. They are broken and they need to know that there are Christians that God has redeemed and given a second chance that have been through exactly not close, but exactly what they've been through. They need to hear that message with confidence. They need to see have someone look them in the eye and say, I've been right there before. Not close, I've been right there where you are before and God put me back together again. And if he can put somebody like me back together again, then I know he could put you back together again because that's the kind of God he is. We have to start ministering out of our weaknesses. And let our weaknesses become the resting place of God's strength. He'll do it in you. If you're sitting there and you say, but you don't know what I've done. I don't. But I know that he does. And I know that he cared for you so much in your worst moment. He loves you so much today. So today, I just ask you, believe it. I'm tough. I'm a fighter. And you know, that's what I am too. I'm tough. Me jeffrey smith i'm tough why because i'm not going to give up on god because he didn't give up on me i'm a fighter why do i fight because the bible says that i am more than a conqueror through him that loved me i'm going to keep fighting i'm going to keep fighting and i'm not going to give up i'm going to fight out of my weaknesses and i'm going to let his strength shine through my weakness this concludes the teaching if you'd like to support what god is doing here at city of life click on the give button at www.col.tv Or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.